Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome here to the Steve Day Show on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace alongside Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin and alongside our friends over at the First Cup Coffee Company. It's a Christian owned patriot company that stands for the exact same values that you do. And it just so happens, according to Aaron and several of you, I'm not a coffee guy, so I'm not the one to judge. But according to Aaron, who thinks coffee is a food group and several of you who agree with him. Uh, their coffee is legit. Freshly roasted beans delivered in ground or whole bean texture pods. Bulk 11 roast profiles also available. Uh, comes in one pound or 16 ounce bags shipped within days of being roasted. Um, First Cup places the roast date on each bag, in fact. So you can go to firstcup.com, use the code DACE and save an additional 10% on your order if you do at firstcup.com, promo code DACE. Or if you subscribe, you can get an additional 10% for the life of your subscription. All of this at firstcup.com slash DACE. All right, coming up uh, on today's program, you know, it dawned on me. We, we haven't determined what we're going to do next for Theology Thursday. And I left yesterday telling you guys I'll see what I can come up with. And it just so happened I was cleaning out my email inbox. And between the jab stuff, I've got a, a folder with all kinds of emails with jab stuff in it. Um, and then uh, a massive folder with all the emails we got last year or earlier this year from people who saw Nefarious and how it impacted them. All right. I had forgotten that buried in my email is another folder from 2021. That was a list of questions that I was saving for rainy days for people that people wanted us to discuss these kinds of things on Theology Thursday. So you've just keep been keeping people in like existential lurch. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of you probably sent me these questions like two years ago, and you're like, "What do I got to do to get my, you know, a theology question answered around here?" Well, today is one of your lucky days. <laughs> yes. So has um, the seventh seal been broken? Yes, Steve? it has, uh, and now the bold tribulation will begin. <laughs> yes, and so uh, we will uh, go through that uh, coming up. Uh, that question uh, through that. In fact, when I clicked on that folder, dust appeared on my screen. <laughs> All right. Yes, we've been here for three years, dude. Okay. Is this like <laughs> King Josiah going in and rediscovering yes. Deuteronomy? Yes. What is this? What is this folder? <laughs> yes, that's people like pouring out their heart with all these theology questions, sitting here waiting for two plus They've years been for in an the answer. Corner, sucking their thumb desperately, <laughs> yes. like when will I have my answer? Well, today's the day for one of you. Uh, that'll be today's theology Thursday. We'll have three non-political uh, questions as well. Our colleague Oran McIntyre wrote something recently that caught our eye. We will discuss that with him coming up at the bottom of this hour. But before we get to all of that. Let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the future versus failure. Tonight is the much ballyhooed debate between Florida Governor and GOP presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis and California Governor and Democrat backup plan Gavin Newsom. The DeSantis campaign put out a preview of what they expect to hear from Newsom in tonight's showdown on Fox News. California is doing what we've done for generations, expanding the horizon of what's possible. Naked and unafraid and just a feet away from the Beverly Hills border as the tents go up, the clothes come off, and now outraged locals are fighting back. People walking around naked in the middle of the street. I say that's the California way. They say years of complaints over drug dealing, public defecation, and substance use are falling on deaf ears. 14,597 calls about piles of poop. That is 
the California way. People are afraid to come out. They're afraid to spend their money here. They're afraid to come here. We're losing money. Every single small business in Sherman Oaks is losing money. We have went from one crisis to the next and nobody seems to care what the small businesses are going through or what the neighbors that can't walk around or our children. State officials to ask electric vehicle owners to refrain from charging their cars in hopes of avoiding power outages. California health officials. The debate will be hosted by Fox News, moderated by Sean Hannity, and will start at 9 p.m. Eastern. Last night in New York City, a horde of pro-Hamas orcs did their darndest to flood the Christmas tree lighting ceremony at Rockefeller Center. Police say they made a handful of arrests. The confrontation was a deliberately organized event by pro-Hamas sycophants who called for their orcs to do their best to disrupt the nationally televised tradition. In Israel, Hamas has claimed responsibility for a shooting at a Jerusalem bus stop, which killed three and injured 16. Hamas and Israel had supposedly been in the midst of a ceasefire. Moving on, Donald Trump is now embracing Black Lives Matter. We told you yesterday about that BLM Rhode Island brother who done flipped to Trump. And in a post on Truth Social yesterday, Trump said, quote, spoke with Mark Fisher yesterday and a great guy. Very honored to have him and BLM support. I've done more for black people than any other president. Lincoln, learning brother today, today's phrase is, Oh, Stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. As a reminder, here's the video the Trump campaign released just days after the death of George Floyd back in 2020. I understand the pain that people are feeling. The death of George Floyd on the streets of Minneapolis was a grave tragedy. It should never have happened. It has filled Americans all over the country with horror, anger, and grief. Newly resurfaced audio went viral yesterday of GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy appearing to endorse the idea of biomedical segregation as a means to reopen the country during COVID. Ramaswamy made these comments during a podcast interview back in 2020. Could we tolerate a national system in which certain people on the basis of a biomarker are segregated to say you can't go back to normal life where certain people get a head start. Is that an inequity we would tolerate? I personally think that it is better than the status quo. If we can send 10 or 20 percent of the people back on the basis of having immunity that's proven on the basis of a lab-based result that's now available, that's a good thing, and everyone stands to benefit from it. Not only did he make those comments on that podcast, he drafted a formal proposal for this type of biomedical segregation that was sent to policymakers as well. That reporting courtesy of independent journalist Pedro Gonzalez writing at his substack, Contra. And finally, ex-owner Elon Musk spoke at a New York Times book confab yesterday and was asked about advertisers boycotting his platform over alleged hate speech. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f*** yourself. But go f*** yourself. <laughs> is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well, let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Don't uh, advertise. And that's what happened while we were away. The dude interviewing him. Elon, you're acting like a man. We're not supposed to do that. 
Julius Caesar or the Antichrist, which is it? Do you see he went to Israel? Yeah. yeah. Went to Israel last week. Oh, I've And on a given day, I am just I'm getting serious Nikolai Carpathia vibes or no. um King of the World. Okay. I mean I'm 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 because it's probably a very slim thread between what makes someone Julius Caesar or the Antichrist. You know what I'm saying? It's it's probably fair, but I'm going Caesar. I, I never bought him on the Antichrist thing. Seriously enough, there's t- there's actually now even when he went to Israel to make a peace deal. I'm just kidding. That's not why he was there. But I was waiting. Aaron, come no. on. You and I have been worked over by too much evangelical eschatology. When you saw Elon Musk <laughs> go to Israel, you were waiting to see if a deal was going to be consummated to open the Temple Mount. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I just loved how self-deprecating you were in your Protestantism. They're like, he's Catholic. He can't be moved on this. But we're we're very no, fragile. I just bypass you all together. I needed to go to someone who could feel my pain. I mean, I was waiting to see. I half expected the Temple Mount to be open like in twenty-four hours. Oh, well, hey, but let, let me turn this around now. To be fair, the, Pope Francis is way more likely to be the Antichrist than Elon Musk. I, I on this one, we would agree on that for sure. Yes. This this Pope in particular, okay. The, because set this aside, and I mentioned it a couple of days ago. Elon went there, came like, back like and Luther said, "Luther and Erasmus were both alive today." Luther would scream, "The Pope is the Antichrist," and Erasmus would say, "Facts." <laughs> That's where we're at today. Okay, is that kind of what you're saying? Well, and relative to Elon Musk, he went there and he came back. You, I, you could have Antichrist vibes at. If he went there after October 7th and then came back and all of a sudden started doing like a Mike Johnson. No, he went like, um, you need to kill. I'm, I'm more, con- I'm more convinced than ever. Kill those people. That's the only thing that can be done. They hunt innocents, kill them. That's not the Antichrist. Uh... No, no, no. In... <laughs> Just no. when I was about to take a deep breath. No, 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 no. Todd that's... threw another strip on no. the Barbie. No, that's not, that is absolutely not. And not the Antichrist <laughs> in the clear context of Hamas versus the Jews. If you wanted to flip it, then sure. Then he say something like that. But unless, unless we don't. See, that comes unless... later. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't know. Yeah, he okay, doesn't He know. understands the stations of the cross, but he, he doesn't know the stations <laughs> of the return. Aaron, he doesn't know the stations of the return. He doesn't know. It's amazing. Okay. This is, I have a book uh, written a long time so ago. So do we. About the gift. Lots of them. It's called written the by g- guys like Tim and Jerry. We know, we know how it goes. Hal, we know how this is going down. Anyway, you finish. Go ahead. It's called The Gift of the Jews, but they are, they're, this, they continue to serve God's people. They are so clarifying. That's my point. Yes, something like that will be said about all manner of others back in the day, but you regarding this, mo- look how clear, have you, I, f- I found this moment incredibly clarifying. All the people on our side that have a hot take on the Jews. Yes. By the way, we, we were talking on our overtime yesterday with uh, Jordan Schachtel. Or no, it was yesterday actually on the show with mm-hmm. Daniel Horowitz about are we watching BB Netanyahu get a little uh, wobbly? Uh, I would imagine the, the shooting that occurred yesterday. You think? Yeah. Even if, if it, even if it looked as he was getting going to get wobbly... Not after that. Not when you've, and and not you don't just violate the ceasefire. You want everyone to know that you did it. You want everyone to know you're claiming responsibility. Yeah, we we broke it. We fired first. So, all right. Coming up in the overtime today. Speaking of clarifying, an interview took place this week that 
literally at any other period of time in our lives would have not believed happened was the stuff of movies. Okay. But arguably America's most influential media figure, Tucker Carlson, interviewed a sitting member of Congress, Timothy Burchett from, I think is his name, from Tennessee. And they openly discussed things like whether elements of the United States government has taken orders or has cut deals with extraterrestrial beings. What? Because I'm just remembering when you, on our Twitter thread, when you send us talking points and things we're going to be talking about. And normally Aaron and I are, you know... We get back in various degrees of time because, you, you, you know, it's during things are going mm. instantly. Aaron and I both get back to you on the on the missive that we're talking aliens in a couple of days. And we just both send you gifts just of de- despair. And well, like we're doing it again. <laughs> this interview. It is. It is amazing. If you guys, I mean, the interview is riveting. I watched every minute of it over dinner the other night. It's true. Here's All the here's the thing, though, just to. This is also one of the least, I just looked, I just looked before the show. It's one of the least watched Twitter episodes that Tucker has done yet. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still like 7 million views, but that's... Does that have more to do with aliens or with the whatever Tucker land is these days? We'll we'll get into that in the overtime today. We'll get into that in the, but this thing is amazing. I mean, it is, it is like a script from the X-Files come to life. Okay. It, it is, it is like if Fox Mulder had a show and got to ask the questions he always wanted to ask and a member of Congress yeah. was willing to answer them. It's crazy how, I mean, whether you agree with this or not, it's riveting. And, and, and the thing that I think is even more is, is, there is beyond your view of this issue. And we'll get on it. We'll re- get into it. And save me your emails about it's a demonic deception. Every time it comes up, 700 of you send me that email. I know. Save your emails. You don't have to do that. I got they, it. They okay? won't. They won't. But they probably won't. I agree. <laughs> but um, the broader conversation about who is your government really accountable to and who are, who are we really taking orders from? is when you see things like Mike Johnson, the new speaker, say, well, yeah, uh, 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 Putin would be a danger to democracy and march through Europe if we do not give him unlimited funds. Understand, he doesn't work for you in Louisiana. He works for Raytheon, okay? And that, so the broader, the broader themes that were addressed in this interview, yeah. to me, are absolutely I, mandatory discussion, regardless of what you think on the extraterrestrial That's issue. That's the key point. And especially says every one of these other videos you've had us watch in the past, which are, you know, like hour and a half long, sometimes documentaries. But, you know, there's an unavoidable tinfoil hat aspect to some of the people they're interviewing. This guy, he's like the the congressman. I know nothing about him, so maybe I'm wrong about this. But at least in this video, he comes across. He's like your your most trusted grandfather who you, you would go to the mattresses for anything he said. And all of a sudden he comes on and says, son, now it's time we have a serious conversation about the aliens. I and agree. you're like, whoa. And then right after this, by the way, Amy and I watched that, that Stephen Greer guy. We've talked about him before. This is like he's peddling this as a religion. All right. He has a brand new one out on Amazon. And so Amy and I, after we watched this Tucker interview, started watching this and had to turn it off. I mean, I, 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 I wanted to get her reaction because she's not clo- covered this as closely as we have. So I'm like, hey, I, I want you to watch now that we've watched this Tucker thing. I want you to watch this documentary. Just give me your... 
And now it's it's like way more into this is a religion, way more into the demonic deception things even more prevalent, way more into higher consciousness and new age and and and, and all the science and the and the ethical implications of the scientific implications are all divorced now, gone, completely gone. It's just all worship. It's all religion. All of it is now. All right. And we eventually had to turn this off halfway through because she couldn't take it anymore. You know, Thanks because of how, that one for the team, Amy, because God of how, how blatantly demonic this thing was. All right. We'll get into more of this in the overtime today at blaze tv.com slash days. That's blaze tv.com slash days. All right. Elsewhere in, uh, in the montage, um, let's talk about the debate tonight with DeSantis and, and Newsom. Aside from the fact that this event is going to make me have to consume more Sean Hannity than frankly I can handle. All right. My expectation is because both of these guys are smart. Both of them to, to varying degrees. I mean, no one knows every, no one knows any other human beings, individual heart, but to varying degrees have demonstrated their clear commitment to some core fundamentals of the respective sides that they represent. Um, and they don't care about winning over anybody that likes the other guy. I suspect tonight both men will perform very well. Both sides will walk out of this feeling very good about how they were represented. And, and depending on how many people that won't typically already watch Fox News are willing to tune into this tonight... To me, the, the biggest potential of this event is the American is, is a segment is, is what kind of a segment of the American people that otherwise would not would be able to would, would would be able to avoid being confronted with the true premise of what the left believes outside of the surface level talking points. All right. What percentage of that audience are people that are going to hear their premises either articulated by Newsom or confronted by DeSantis for the very first time? Because these are not conversations that the that corporate media allows you to do. You know, I was on the tail end of really the last era that this was allowed towards the uh, the the early 2010s where people like me would get booked on there and they'd gang up on me, but at least we, we would, they'd have to defend their belief system against somebody credible, somebody with an IQ above four, all right? They'd have to get beyond their own talking points. They don't do that anymore, all right? People like me aren't permitted on there anymore. All they want is an anti-Trump side and a pro-Trump side and Trump's a Nazi and a, a, a Cheeto Jesus saves and orange man bad. And, and there's really not a lot of substantive conversation on issues, that's going to happen tonight. It's just a matter of how substantive it is. You know, my, my guess is both of these guys are smarter than Hannity. And so I'm not sure how much he'll be able to moderate and keep up with either one of them. But on some level, some substance is going to get discussed tonight that a lot of Americans either don't have to be subjected to or haven't um, or, or haven't been allowed to be subjected to. How many of them tune in tonight is, the, is really what I care about. See, my biggest concern is why would, based on just what Aaron put up there, and also I don't think viewership for this will be very high, why would Gavin Newsom try to have a substantive debate? I, th I think what he, the smart play for Gavin Newsom 
is to go full Trump back when it was him against 16 people. He should be debasing himself in the hopes that DeSantis does as well. DeSantis is a far better pugilist than Ted Cruz, Scott Walker at all. But if if the person on your other side, this is kind of your hysterical woman thing, like mm-hmm. it he could possibly create a no-win scenario where it doesn't matter how smart you are. The whole goal is to make you to pull you down into the mud and make you look stupid with him. And it's not going to change anybody's minds about Gavin Newsom. You're absolutely right. But that's what there is a trap here for DeSantis. He's very smart. I think he understands the trap exists. But it's one thing to understand it cerebrally and then to be in the middle of it. I, I just could see this being an utter bleep show. So I, I think there is maybe a line of thought out there that because this debate is already won before it technically happens, the only the only outcome is that this is a loss. Because why? I mean, how much more can you win the conversation? How much more than can you win the debate than with the actual facts on the ground, which is California sucks. They've lost residents. There's one or there's many reasons for that. Some of them very stinky, literally stinky. Uh, they've, you know, their unemployment, go through all of those numbers and factoids. The debate is already won. So there is a line of thinking out there that DeSantis can only hurt himself by debating uh, Gavin Newsom. I don't agree with that. Nor I do think, I. Yeah, and I, I think that just pointing that out to the face of Gavin Newsom, who is at least in part or mostly responsible for the last four, five, six years of California's de- decline because he is its chief executive, you know, I, I think there's value in that. Uh, but I also think if it is Newsom's play to try to drag DeSantis down into the muck and mire, I think that's a big opportunity for Ron DeSantis. I agree. As well. Yeah, as I well. agree with that. It is. Yeah. It's both. I agree. Because here's the thing. If, if Newsom does that, this isn't like when Trump does it. And you made the Trump comparison. When you're on a debate stage and Trump does it, you need to win the same voters that Trump is performing for when he does that. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so there's always the calculus of how how far... I, I, I can't let him punk me because then I look weak, right? All mm-hmm. right. We, so we, if you go back to 2016, yes. we saw plenty of Republicans fall for that. They got punked like Jeb, for example. All right. Or they went so far the other way, like like Marco Rubio, that they debased themselves Oh yeah, and with, with the small hands. All right. So what is what is the line? All right. And this is a difficult needle to thread. But you know what? It's the presidency. It's the toughest job on earth. You've heard me say it before. It should be hard to win it. Trump should be hard to beat. Gavin Newsom should be hard to beat. Ron DeSantis should be hard to beat. It's the hardest job on earth. So it should be hard to achieve it, to obtain it. All right. But so but what is the what is the line where you show I'm not taking this crap from you? Yeah, exactly. On the other hand, you don't so debase yourself that now you're alienating voters that you need. Okay. Yeah. That's the challenge when Trump does this. There is no challenge when Gavin Newsom does mm. it. None. Now you, because here's the thing: you don't have to debase yourself at all. You just stay on. You stay on task. Stay on the issues. Hey, you know, you're, you're Ronald we, Reagan. There you go again. See, that's why you're doing this because California well, is a is a is is a crap hole, and everybody knows it. And let me tell you the numbers. You're He's, being too like that. Ronald Reagan line was like utter genius. Could anybody have just come up with that in the moment? See, I, that's the key. That That's the key. Do you come, 
It seems, in theory, yes, we, we, it, there's a laugh track. It's pathetic. It's ruining lives. Florida compared to California. It's a toilet compared to a, a, a literal Valhalla people are escaping to. But it's, that's the thing. In the moment, and I feel genuinely feel bad for DeSantis because this guy just wants to produce, get the job done, not be doing this. And we have to ask him to, to be ready for every level of juvenile nonsense. See, I, I don't feel bad for him at all. I think this is the this is a this is the an opportunity of a lifetime. I don't think there's any L here. I just think it's a magnitude yeah. of the W. As long as you don't slobber, you have motor function. I mean, given the depth of knowledge that he has on, on the issues, and the and the moderator is Sean Hannity, who ain't one of us, but you know, it ain't it ain't whoever is hosting Meet the Press these days me, either. I agree. I agree. But remember, you did that too long ago, and I think then we talked about it afterwards. But you did that interview with that person on the left, and you ended up being very patient with them. Um, I don't remember who this guy was. Uh, we talked about it afterwards, maybe on the uh, overtime, and you basically let the just let them uh, hang themselves with their own words. But you had to make that decision within there, and that's just on a podcast to be. Let them do that. Yeah, the, when hard, you the, far, d- the far tougher thing is when you're on a podcast with somebody who's yes. a Trump shill, yes. you know, is paid. And so you won't you won't be and you're not. So right away, you're unevenly yoked. Yeah. You know, therefore, they will not give you any objective answer. Everything will be a talking point. Mm-hmm. They'll tell every lie. Yes. That, that's much harder than going than t- than talking to somebody on the other side much harder. Well, I, but it's not in a vacuum my point is you know our audience and and you study this stuff so you know how it's going to be received and we but even within our audience it can be pretty fickle you just got done talking about the emails he's trying to win a general election and the, the, we all know how often the right doing the right thing is now misperceived by all kinds of people oh you're just i just didn't like his tone and can it all be nice it's just a I really don't think there's a loss here for either one of these guys. I don't. That's how much I respect each of their... I think you're likely right. I think that's how much I respect either of their political acumens. And I don't think there's a lot... I mean, Newsom's already done individual interviews with Hannity. There's some rapport there. All Newsom has to do to... Newsom, I think, will be is too good and too slimy for there to be a Jane, you ignorant slut kind of a moment. All right. And I think both these guys will be very well versed in each side's beliefs and talking points and everything else. And I think that uh, um, ultimately, I, I don't see I, 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 if they're both as, as good as we as, as they have appeared to be as politicians. I, I don't see an L here for either one of these guys. I mean, Gavin Newsom's going to get credit for showing up with his people. Yeah, I went there. Yeah, they, I, even, I even took on their own moderator, two on one, two right wing Nazis. Uh, I, you know, when I came out of there unscathed. Because the stuff that would make our people go, you got them, their people aren't going to say, you got them. In some respects, this is a great segue to the conversation we're about to have with Aron McIntyre. The differences are so irreconcilable. The chasm is so wide. The house is so divided that the stuff that Ron would actually get Gavin Newsom on, you want to kill babies up until birth. Mm-hmm. He will be celebrated for that yeah. with his people. Yes. It's the right? difference of the yeah, word yeah. good. Exactly. You 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 want to get you want to make everybody drive yeah. an electric car so government has control of how they of their transportation. He will be Gavin will be celebrated for this. Yeah. There, there's no moment but you're unless it gets for it now. Yeah, yeah, it, Newsom will say freedom to. DeSantis will say correct. freedom from. That's exactly right. Yeah. One you will know. talk about positive rights. The other will talk about negative rights. If you guys know yeah. your Hobbes and Locke and, you know, your so, founding father era philosophy. 
it just begs the question then why are we doing this all at all then if these are all knowns they're known to us that's why i said earlier what's the walk-up crowd for this that's what we I, don't know. I don't, I'd suspect it won't be great. I don't think it's going to be okay, great. Okay, and, and, but, but understand, we know this. A lot of you that are watching this right now and have been and, and listening to shows like this and been listening to Glenn Beck long before you knew what the hell a Steve Dace was, you guys know this, okay? But we are a sliver of a sliver. Most of America does not know this. But they also don't care. That's true. That, but do they not care because they haven't been, they haven't had to? Or they have willfully divorce themselves and we don't know the answer to that it's probably it's definitely some of both all right but understand there is an there's a large audience of americans that this is foreign to it's our no it's 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 our vernacular we do this daily but outside of our bubble most americans this will be new wait a minute wait 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 you, you want to make me drive an electric car and Consumer Reports just did a re- study today that found they have an 80% higher failure rate than the gas-powered ones do? That's new. See, all they were told before was we had to save the planet. They were just given a talking point. They weren't given a creed or a belief to defend. That's the difference. Quickly on the Vivek Ramaswamy audio from Pedro Gonzalez. It's tempting to say on one hand, hey, the guy's trying to come up with ways to get us out of lockdown. But understand that what Vivek is is proposing there, and he tried to say what was just a throwaway line in a podcast. Except as Pedro pointed out, he actually put it in writing as a as a as a proposition to policymakers. So not a throwaway line. What he's proposing there, though, is could actually have created an even worse evil long term than lockdowns. A national biomarker registry where people can be segregated based on their health choices into perpetuity because we have that information available to us and set that precedent long before Biden's vaccine mandate? Oh, gosh. That's that's the stuff of dystopian novels and movies. Correct. So Disney is now or Bob Iger is now at least admitting maybe we've gone too far as they have another flop on their hands. I mean, it was 40 years. It's been since the Black Cauldron that Disney had a flop. And now they've just had three years in a row of flops, whether it's the MCU, whether it's uh, their own and Pixar. Pixar is not the, not the, un, you know, the, the Midas touch brand that it used to be. And it's a lot of it is because of what Aaron said yesterday. They, they want to tell the stories they want to tell, whether they're the stories we want to hear. Uh, we are, though, getting good at making we're kind of in, in the faith based filmmaking community. We're doing our best. I'm using we now. Give, I think I've got did I give enough pound of flesh to make a movie? Can I say we now when we talk about the faith based film or is that uh, am I going too far? Am I, oh, certainly. It, the f- am I entitled to use we as a pronoun? Absolutely. In the faith-based film world, yeah, absolutely. All right. So we in the faith-based film world this year proved we're getting a lot better at this, I think. And one of those examples is The Blind. Uh, It's a fantastic story about the fantastic story of our colleague Phil Robertson's uh, transformation from uh, sinner to saint. It doesn't pull any punches. It's not profane or anything, but uh, this is not, uh, Phil doesn't walk out into the wilderness and find Jesus, okay? That's not how this goes down. 
All right. And so uh, it's raw. It's real. It's very well done. Very well acted. It's called The Blind, a Phil Robertson story. And now you don't have to give your money to Apple or Amazon to watch it. You can do it right here. First time ever we have offered a theatrical grade movie right here uh, at Blaze TV. Just go to blazetv.com slash the blind. That's blazetv.com slash the blind. You can buy it today at blazetv.com slash the blind. And speaking of Blaze colleagues, uh, let's bring on Oran McIntyre. Good to see you again, brother. How you doing? Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. And you were posting about something the other day that I wanted us to discuss, but I want to, on second thought, I want to do an end run to, to your premise for a second and start with an application. We were, we were kind of just game planning out the DeSantis Newsom debate tonight. And one of the things I said that I want to get your take on is I don't think it is as long as one of these guys doesn't like just, you know, stroke out, I don't think they can lose. And, and, and one of the main reasons why is this either one of them, when Ron DeSantis says you want us to turn in our gas-powered cars and drive electrical vehicles so that the government can have control over our transportation, the, the voters that Gavin Newsom wants to reach are going to applaud that. When Ron DeSantis says you want to kill babies up to the moment of birth, the voters that Gavin Newsom wants to reach are going to applaud that. You see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, when, when Gavin Newsom says you want to deport all the illegal immigrants, Ron, the voters Ron DeSantis wants to reach are going to applaud this. We're, the, 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 the differences are so irreconcilable now. The chasm is so wide now. The house is so divided now. The definition of freedom, they're both going to say freedom, as Aaron, you pointed out. They're both going to say good. They're both going to say moral. And their definitions are like upside down, 180 degree through the looking glass, different on those things, as is the, the basis of the, the respective bases of people they're each trying to reach that I don't know what potential collateral damage exists for either one of these guys because everything the other guy attacks and from being too radical on their own base is going to cheer and say, yeah, that's exactly what we're looking for. Therefore, how do we do e pluribus unum in light of that or on if that is correct? No, I think you're exactly right. Scott Adams calls this phenomenon uh, watching the same movie, but two or same screen, but two different movies at mm. the same time. We have these completely divergent moral visions of the good and when one person describes theirs it sounds like hell to the other and when one person describes what they think is the worst thing that could possibly happen that sounds like something great to the people who are listening whenever you see these apocalyptic articles about all the terrible things that trump is going to do if he gets elected mm -hmm. we're all like yeah no i think that that's just what you would do if if you were a republican who got elected so, yeah, I think you're exactly right that DeSantis and Newsom are going to describe two entirely different visions of the world. I mean, I look at Florida, where I live, and I look at California, and I think that should be an argument all by itself. Why is there even a debate? Obviously, one is vastly superior to the other. But for so many liberals across the country, California is the perfect vision of the future. And I don't think anything Ron DeSantis says is going to change that. I agree. I, I And I think it works both ways the other way, too. Yeah. And, and, and so I... One of the one of the points I tried to make recently, the last time I uh, I was on with Glenn here on Blaze TV, is and and I think you were talking about this when you when you made the point about liberty and a constitution isn't going to, it, it's not that's not good enough to govern us anymore. And and here's why, the constitution isn't a sacred document. It's not holy writ. It's not scripture, meaning that the revelation of the of the hearing of the word, okay, of amend, of, of the ninth amendment 
makes people repent of their their most craven natures and and seek righteousness. That's not the Bible. That's not how it works. The Constitution is an itemization of a social compact. It's 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 you know now that we the people in order to form a more perfect union. All right, now that's the social compact. All right. We have this. We have these people, these common beliefs, these common values, differences within them, diversity within them. But there are fundamentals we agree upon. So we're coming together to form a society on the basis of those shared values. And, and because of those shared values, there's got to be a rule book, basically. How, what's the what's the rules of engagement, how we're going to govern each other, how we're going to con- compete against each other. And the Constitution is basically the itemization of this. If, if those if, if, if the, those people that are living in the same landmass, if, if they aren't, they don't have those shared values anymore, if they don't share those principles anymore, then honestly, it, you know, the, the left has tried to make the Constitution a dead letter for many, many years. It, it de facto becomes one because you can quote all the clauses out of it you want when the other side says, I, I don't care. I mean, I, where do you go from there? Yeah, I think really the conservative shift to the deification of the Constitution is really an admission of defeat. You can't worship legal positivism. That's not actually a a binding culture. That's not a real faith. That's not something that can hold people together. And of course, the founding fathers were perfectly aware of this. The Constitution was never supposed to be a sacred document. It was never supposed to be the thing that forged American identity in perpetuity. It was something, like you said, that simply enumerated things that were already emanating from the character of the people and the faith and the culture that they possessed. And there's just no way that you can take that and turn it into then the the perpetual identity of the United States for eternity. It's not going to bind people together. You need something deeper. You need something richer. You need something that is eternally true. And of course, for the United States, that was Christianity. Specifically, Protestant Christianity was the foundation of the shared culture of the United States. Many different people from different ethnos, but they all came together and bound under this one identity of American Protestant Christianity. You used a term there that we have not used on our show in many years, but I used to discuss all the time. I want us to reset it because I think it's it's very apropos to this moment. You used the term legal positivism. There's a lot of technical definitions of it. I, I think the simplest definition, you tell me if you agree or disagree, the simplest definition for our audience essentially says whatever is the recognized authority in a culture determines what is legal or the law. OK, and so you OK with that definition? All right. Yeah, so so, so so if whoever's in charge determines what the law is. And so but but if you think the Constitution is in charge, you think that is the law. If you think the Constitution is a dead letter, you don't care what it says. And it, it and, and quoting it doesn't is anathema to that person. It won't it doesn't bring them into allegiance. It doesn't bring them into submission to some higher rule. Instead, it, it, they, they, it, they, it builds and cements their opposition all the more. And that's the legal philosophy as opposed to what we were founded upon, which is that there are natural laws, things that exist in nature that predate the existence of this country uh, that go back to the beginning of humans as a species. And those are 
are laws that are part of the natural code and we need to align our civil laws with those natural laws. And and if, if we agree that those natural laws exist, then we can do legal positivism because we're going to we're both going to abide by a document that enumerates those natural laws. But if we don't agree that those natural laws exist anymore, well, then legal positivism really just becomes a judge who says, well, you know, I don't care what 700 years of human precedent says. I get to define marriage now. Yeah, and this is why I think many in the conservative and even the classical liberal movement are terrified of postmodernism, because postmodernism really is just an acknowledgement that the Kantian post-enlightenment version of just we're going to take uh, we're going to create a society a priori, we're going to decide either, you know from the beginning what what the truth is, and we're going to build upon it rather than seek those natural truths that again uh, arise from our interaction with God's world and the character of our people. And, and that that creation of something all by ourselves, rather than understanding that the truth is rooted in something deeper, mm-hmm. that opens us up to then postmodernism because they say, oh, well, if you've already unrooted this from God's truth, if you've already root, unrooted this from eternal truth and you've decided that you can simply build this on your own, then the next step is to simply acknowledge that these don't mean anything and we can rip them up and throw them away as we please. And so that's why those attacks have been so effective against what has become the conservative position because it's unrooted itself from eternal truth, placed itself entirely in this enlightenment uh, legal positivistic structure, and therefore it has nothing to really fight back against this idea that we can discard or change this whenever we'd like. That's so smart. Let's try to put a very practical example on what you just illuminated so our audience can grasp it better. You, In my view, you just philosophically quantified why we have our own um, uh, uh, transvestite Fox News contributors. Or like uh, Aaron, my Aaron McIntyre, our own pansexual vegan lizard people, the conservative ones, and and confirmed, speaking at CPAC, because we're buying into the same premise that they are. And so we need to show that we can we can somewhat somehow live the the, the way of life that we're trying to conserve as conservatives while buying into their premises. See, we can we we can the freak shows can thrive. And when we run when when we do this in a limited way, the freak shows that you want can still thrive nevertheless. Right. That's right. You have to have truths that are just non-negotiable. You have to have core things that you cannot move on. And the conservative movement, like you said, is really just busy chasing the social cachet that's thrown out by the left. They say, oh, no, but we can be as accepting and actually we do it better than these people. And therefore, we should be the ones we're going to provide the most prosperity to the trans kids. And therefore, we're the ones that should govern them, not actually looking at the fact that this is not something that should ever enter into the social uh, discussion in the first place. But again, you can't have that without a rock solid belief and faith in the truth. You have to have axioms that cannot be debated, cannot be assaulted. And the only way you have that is to ground it in something that is eternal and transcendent. You can't just build that up out of nothing or some vague identity arranged around some concept of freedom or liberty. Amen. All right, final thing. I've got about two minutes here. What's the path forward then? When the, when the differences are this deep, I mean, this is even worse than, say, the 1850s. I mean, the, much of the Confederacy and much of the North b- agreed with the same moral values. The disagreement was whether those values should be extended to, to, to people of black skin color. 
That was the difference. I mean, but the, we didn't have like, you know, play, it wasn't like in the South, everybody went to church in the North, everybody, you know, had rainbow parades. It wasn't like that. The, the argument was, are these shared values, do they extend to people with a different skin pigment than us? So, I, I mean, I think these, these differences are now even more existential than they were then. So what's the path forward? I think I'd be far from the first person to tell you that national divorce seems like the most sane maneuver. I don't think we're ever going to have some kind of official breakup of the United States, some official secession. Unfortunately, that question was answered in the 1860s, and the states don't have that option legally. However, I think we will see a slow separation. We're already seeing the self-sorting that's occurring Mm -hmm. in places like Florida as people flee the tyranny of COVID restrictions and others. And so I think you're going to continue to see that sorting. I think you're going to continue to see that self-segregation into more uh, value homogenous uh, culture or centers, and that's going to create a situation where people start pulling away from the central government, stop relying on Washington, D.C., stop listening to its dictates, and start having a more local approach to the way that they govern and the way that they form their moral community. That's great stuff, man. How can uh, plug, the, plug the podcast, Oran, before we let you go. Oh, absolutely. No, of course, everything is on the Blaze, the Oran McIntyre show. You can go on YouTube, you can watch it on Blaze TV. My columns or uh, are, of course, up on Blaze News, and then the podcast is the Or McIntyre Show on Apple, Spotify, all that stuff. Great stuff, brother. Thank you. Good to see you again. Thanks for having me, man. You bet. Thoughts on that? Okay, can I have a quick thought? I mean, when, with the the point he made about Trump, I was just like, Amen. When I when when they run their dystopian stuff, I'm like, Yeah. See, I don't think he'll do that, which is why I'm not supporting him in this primary. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know. If I thought he was going to do this, I would have just said, let's just not even have a primary and let's just all move on. Okay. But th- I mean, when I see the stuff that when they, that the, he'll do this and he'll do, I'm like, you're listening to God's ears. Yeah. Yeah, for, yeah. 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 Tell me more. I'm listening. But that goes to the point he was just making. When, when each side makes this, the starkest claims about the other, the other side's people are like, oh boy. But your side's people are like, we can do that. Really? I mean, <laughs> perfect. Let's do it. Let's roll. Yes. What do you think? We've often said that you can tell a lot about a person. Uh, a, a window to a person's soul is their answer on the issue of life and abortion. But even more than that, if you want to cut to the quick, real, real quick, just ask them the definition of the word good. Mm. Just ask mm-hmm. the definition yeah. of the word good. If it is anything, anything other than God, that person's worldview will event- eventually fall mm-hmm. into incoherency mm-hmm. because then you get to into subjective definitions and then it's just a matter of time until that falls into shambles. If our definition of the word good is not transcendent, transcendent and objective, we will eventually fall into subjective incoherence. Mm-hmm. And what do we see right now? The point that he made about the Constitution towards the the top of that interview and this addiction to pointing at the Constitution while your enemies have a gun to your head and saying, no, the Constitution says you can't kill me. It is ridiculous. At some point in time, we collectively, our leaders collectively, but we collectively stopped upholding and defending the Constitution, which... What was the nation's founding document? It was the the Declaration of Independence, which was rooted in what? God, ultimately. Mm -hmm. So when we got away from that, when we got away from upholding the Constitution, which is rooted in the Declaration of Independence, it's no wonder 
that society has fallen into chaos and incoherence. So basically, the Declaration is the social compact. Yeah. The Constitution is the enumeration of, therefore, how now shall we live in light of that relationship, right? Yeah. And I love how Aaron talked about the the uh, Americans' current embrace of legal positivism is basically an omission of failure. He's absolutely right. Legal positivism is basically, well, well, it's the law. Just the gotta do what it so. says. The judges yep. said so. Martin Luther King said the opposite. Not a perfect individual, but an unjust law is no law at all. That is who we are supposed to be as Americans. We have forfeited that because tone, and I just, I don't want to rock the boat. It's appalling. Amen. Theology Thursdays next. All right, back here with hour two on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and all of you. And you can. Let us know what you think about what we think. Try that by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, Me, We, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can find me as well via podcast. And looking at the numbers, a lot of you have done that. So please keep that going. Hit subscribe or follow if you're on iTunes. That way, every time we do a new episode, it shows up in your podcast feed every single time. And then if you dig the show, Give us a five-star review, please, and thank you to the many of you, the thousands of you that have done that. We are approaching 10,000 five-star reviews on iTunes. I think we're about 600 short of that, so we'd, uh, we'd love to hit that marker. If for no other reason, then it just would personally satisfy me. So thank you to all of you that have submitted those five-star reviews. They're all appreciated. I want to thank all of you as well that have donated to our friends over at Preborn. And they're worthy of it. Uh, I know a lot of people this time of year, you're looking for Christmas slash year-end giving. There are few causes that are more worth your time and expense than uh, what Preborn does. Uh, they are on the streets going right at the spirit of the age, fighting for the, the hearts of both uh, the mom and uh, the heartbeat of the baby she's carrying. And they do it all for free, whether it is confronting mothers with the ultrasound so they can hear their baby's heartbeat and know that, no, you were lied to. That's not your body. That is somebody else's heartbeat. All right. You're killing another human being. And over the years, about 80 percent of the time when a woman hears that heartbeat, she doesn't go through with killing her kid. And that's phenomenal. But the battle's not over there. I mean, if you're a woman in a, in, in, in a fulfilling relationship, you're probably not getting an abortion. It's a woman who isn't that probably is considering it. And so these women, they need help. They need assistance. They need guidance. And they're there for that as well. Prenatal care, postnatal care, even counseling. All of that is free of charge too, provided they have funding from people like us. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, uh, make one here today when you go to preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. Again, preborn.com slash Steve. Or you can dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby on your mobile phone. Let's get to some Theology Thursday. And I mentioned at the top of the show that I realized we didn't have another series or anything lined up for Theology Thursday, so I needed to come up with a topic. I told you guys I'll dig into it, you know, when we left yesterday. And I was clearing out all the emails uh, that we were getting yesterday, and I, I noticed 
there is a folder that has been buried at the bottom of my inbox for nearly two full years now. And it's uh, it's Theology Thursday questions that you guys have sent me that I had, had set aside and tabled so that, you know, when these kinds of moments arose, we'd be able to, you know, answer these, get to as many of these as we possibly could. I just... I didn't anticipate that it would take me almost three years. <laughs> right. This is how Indiana Jones movies start, Steve. I've Yes, these questions were in a crate. Yes, I cannot yes. wait to see where in, this in goes. The, in the warehouse known as my email, email inbox, yes. Um, so I have a whole folder of these. And I mean, there's some fantastic questions in here too that will make for, I think, very rich and, uh, um, and worthwhile conversations. When we get to them in three years. When we eventually get to them <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to go with that at some point. Okay. <laughs> yes. Including this one from Camille Kalura in Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. She sent this to us almost exactly two years ago, December 7th, 2021. And today, Camille, if, if you haven't given up on us yet, today is your, the day your question is going to get answered. As a believer... She writes, I know that we must strive to do God's will in our lives. And I know that he has a plan for each of us. But my question is, how can we know that we are doing his will? If we come to a fork in the road of life, how can we be sure which way is his way for us? Can we ever be sure? Can't tell you how much I've learned from you guys' show. Thank you guys for all you do. And again, that's from Camille Kalura in Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. This is a vitally important question. And, and honestly, you know, short of what can I do to be saved? How do I know Jesus is Lord? And how can, how, how am I sure I can rely on the Bible? I mean, those are probably maybe the three most important ones I can think of off the top of my head. This is the kind of question you ask when you, when you get through those other three that I just mentioned, you come to this question here. And let me start with this. Before we can understand, I think if we're doing God's will, I think we have to understand what, what is God's character? What is, is, is there, is there a tool that has been provided that we would have a plumb line, a metric, a Rosetta stone, um, you know, something we could keep going back and referring to when these, when this question arises. Thankfully, we have one. It's called the Word of God or the Bible. God has bound himself to his word. Now, make sure you understand what I mean when I say this. What I, I, I do not mean that God cannot act outside of his word. That is not what I mean. What I mean is God will not act outside of his word. God is God. He can act outside of anything he wants. He is the creator. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He speaks solar systems into existence. He raises the dead to life. He gives life. He provides. 
He's imminent. He's transcendent. He absolutely can act outside of his word. He won't. That limiting principle is for our benefit. Because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He so desired for us to know him on an intimate level that he put himself into human form. That's what we celebrate and commemorate this time of year, correct? He came to live with us. One of the things you'll see when Why Easter comes out next year, the second in my trilogy of children's books on America's Christian heritage, is, is, is me trying to explain to, the, 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 to your children that I hope that you'll have, you'll, you'll have read the book, like so many of you have Why Thanksgiving, that your children need to know that God loves them so much, wants to be known by them so much, wants him to know them so much, that there was a period of time that just like them, God had to have his diaper changed. There was a period of time, just like them, God had to be nursed by his mother. There was a period of time, just like them, God had to be taught how to read, how to write, how to work, how to do chores. Because he limited himself on our behalf to be fully human. Uh, or as we sing this time of year, our Emmanuel, God with us. Similarly, God in his sovereignty has chosen to limit himself to his word. The word isn't God. Well, the word became God, but God is God. This was done for our benefit. So just like when he limited himself to, his hum- to being a human for a, a period of time, so that we could know him. We could literally, people that lived in that era, they touched God. They were healed by God. They were, they were spoken to by God. Walked down the street with God. For that same reason, God has chosen in his sovereignty to limit himself to his word. Everything we've ever seen God supernaturally do in human history is there is a derivative of in his word, everything. So that we, he has, that was done. He limited himself to that. So we, as best as we can in our finite minds and our sinful hearts could know him. So, If we know God's word, the first way that we can know if we're doing God's will is are we doing something that knowingly violates God's will? Knowingly, directly, explicitly. For months, my wife and I were in a tailspin. Because for several years prior to that, we were in one. It just was at a very steady decline that we didn't notice it. And then suddenly COVID hits. No more distractions, no more sporting events to take kids to, no more family functions, no more movies to go see, nothing. 
And now we're in this home where all of these issues that had been simmering and lingering, but there was enough responsibility and enough enjoyment of the other aspects of our family life that these things got put on a shelf. Suddenly now, those things cannot be glossed over anymore. Now they're raw. They're out in the open. And now that, that simmering becomes a boil. And we are going to do something that is in clear violation of God's word. We are going to divorce and split our family. And then one day we woke up and realized this is in clear violation of God's word. So it must be dumb. This must be a terrible choice. So we didn't go through with it. Why does God hate divorce? Because he loves you. God doesn't hate you because you're divorced. He hates divorce because of what it does to you. Who he loves. That's not to say there's never a case for it. But I have to tell you, I have a buddy of mine right now we basically got saved together. Texted me the other day, can't come to poker night, man. Out of nowhere, I just got served with divorce papers. Merry Christmas. God has rules, God provides guidance. Out of love for us, for the same reason you do these things for your children. Why do you tell your children not to put their fingers in light sockets or play with down power lines? Because you love them. And you don't want any undue harm to come to them. Such as it is with our Father in heaven. So that's number one. And that applies universally. There are things about God's will in our lives we can know that he has made plain in his word. It is always wrong to murder. It is always wrong to covet. It is always wrong to steal. It is always wrong to bear false witness, smear, gossip, innuendo, gaslight. These are things we can know. So let's start there at the meta level. Now, where things become more difficult, and I'm not saying the first stage is easy. I know I'm pretty well versed in the scriptures. I knew all along divorce was against God's will. Nevertheless, in my flesh, I was up until the last possible moment willing to go through with it. So let's make sure simple and easy aren't conflated things. Okay. I mean, Adam and Eve know they sin. That's why they cover their nakedness. God made it pretty simple for them. They don't, don't eat the fruit of that tree. You're talking about clarity. There's no ambiguity. Yes. They, yes. They, they, it was pretty simple not to do it. It was not easy not to do it, though. Right. It wasn't easy not to do it. Simple to know not to do it, though. Simple to know. Not easy not to know. And as soon as they did it, they knew what they had done was wrong. That's why they covered themselves. 
where things get more difficult now is when we get into, um, and, and I, would, I would divide the scriptures from an ethic standpoint into three criteria. What we can and cannot do, what we can receive, and what we must reject. All right? The scriptures are extremely clear on what we must reject. That's the easiest part. Or I'm sorry, that's the simplest part. None of this is easy. <laughs> okay? Let me just make sure I make that patently clear. None of this is easy. All right? The simplest part is what we must reject. So when your pastors nowadays say things like, well, I really think we need for the world to hear more about what we're for than against. And much of the Bible is what God is against, actually. Much more than what he is for. I hate that. Don't do that. That's terrible. Stop it. Don't. You're done. Finished. Don't do that. Okay. In precatory prayers, stop that person. Don't let make, make my enemies, uh, you know, impale them, kill them, stop them before they kill me. Much of the Bible actually is no. Okay. That's much of it. So the, the, what we must reject is the simplest part to ascertain the other two areas, what we can and can't do. And then what we can just like receive not a, huh, you know, I don't know. I mean, for example, dancing. Does the, do the scriptures specifically say not to dance? No, in fact, King David actually danced when he united the 12 tribes of Israel and when his first wife, who I believe was one of Saul's daughters, um, who the, his predecessor, mm-hmm. said, hey, you are acting shamefully. He actually removed his outer garment and said, well, I'll become even more undignified than this for the work that God has done for me. Okay. Nevertheless, though, is the majority of dancing done with the with the intent of the reverie that King David is exhibiting or with the intent of um, uh, 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 in our culture with the intent of simulating intimacy? Which is it? The latter. The latter. So is it is it unbiblical to to ban dancing as a general rule? Yeah. Is most dancing unbiblical? Yeah. You <laughs> see what I'm saying? This is this is why we have fights, denominations, disagreements. It's not This is where now we 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 get into gray areas and areas of conscience. And and even Paul, who writes much of the New Testament, doesn't defi- doesn't definitively settle some of these things. Instead he says he uses statements like don't do something that will cause the lesser brother, meaning the newer believer, to stumble. Meaning that you can engage in something that others would perceive to be a gray area because of your maturity. Like, I'll give you an example. Last night, I'm very well versed in the occult aspects of the UFO demonic religion. I'm able to watch it clinically and ascertain it and point out BS. And, and, and my wife, not so much. We got halfway through it last night, right? What did I say last hour? It's like, we, I, can we turn this off? I'm disturbed. I'm not happy. Meaning, in this case, she's the lesser now, okay? Because this is not an area spiritually that she's been exposed to. And her spirit now is like, this is wrong. I, I don't want to be... I, I, and you know, so you know, I didn't tell her, no, finish it, toughen up. Is that what I did? No, we turned it off right away because I didn't want to cause her to stumble. And that's an act of submission to her and to our brothers and sisters. Okay. And, and submission is another term for serve. And Jesus said, I, the son of man didn't come to, 
to be served, but to serve. And he, he washed the feet of his own disciples. So I'm trying to emulate that by, and my wife says, I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm, it, no, you know what? Done. We're done here, honey. Turn it off. Point was, we already did. Point was made. We don't have to belabor it. We're good. When we get into other specific areas, like let's talk sports for a second because that's come up a lot on the show. You move into a community where high school football is like the heartbeat of the community. That's a lot of places. That's a lot of places. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Is it wrong for you to absorb that custom in order to be a good neighbor? No. No, not at all. Okay. You absorb that custom though. And one day you find the star quarterback is underneath the bleachers slapping his girlfriend around. You go to report it to the police and the police say, well, we had a big game Friday night. Can we just look the other way? This is now where it has become an idolatry. It's not a custom now, right? Also true in most places. Yes, it is. Now it's an idolatry. You know, the very first contrarian fight I ever got into in my entire career Star point guard at the University of Iowa basketball team, Pierre Pierce. Yep. Anally raped, sodomized a member of the women's basketball team. And when she pressed charges, his head basketball coach, Steve Alford, actually came out from the courtroom proclaiming his innocence before there was even a trial. And I'm like, how can you do that? How would you know? Not to mention, you're Mr. Super Christian, and we're out here just saying, hey, you know, we can just buy, why? If he was the walk-on, I made this point, if he was a walk-on, would the head coach have put his entire credibility on the line? Nope. No way. And I got so many calls and threats. I was told, I, I, I had the head of the University of Iowa Booster Club call me. Straight up. You know what? We're the doctors and lawyers and the business owners around here, he told me. I'll never forget this conversation. Trust the experts, Steve. Yep. We, we're the ones that actually, we're, we're the ones, we're the, we're, the, we're the wealthy people that can buy the ads and, and also, uh, and, 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 uh, per, and, uh, and, and take care of your advertisers. You don't want to do us wrong. And I'm like, well, I'm actually just going to go ahead and say what I think is right. And if it is, great. If it's not, I'll admit it. And if I get fired for it, I'm okay with that. Notice there's been a pattern here. That was over 20 years ago. Pretty much stuck with that pattern. By the way, Pierre Pierce, they let him back into school. He then ended up assaulting somebody else and they had to kick him out permanently. And he went to jail. Yep. Yep. So there's that. So even something that starts out as just an innocent, neutral custom can become an idol. So that metric of what we can and cannot do, what we can and can receive, what we can, what can, what we can, what we can receive, and then what we must reject, that things can cross in, that's a Venn diagram with overlapping, you know, circles based on human behavior. But what about, should I take this job? Should I marry this person? I woke up one day and I just knew. I can't explain it to you. It was one day in March of 2020 and I woke up and I had this certainty that I was on this earth for this moment in time. What was going on in the country. That I was to take all of the credibility I had built up and put it all on the line for this. No questions asked, 100%. And that literally, 
a 14-year-old girl had sex with her 17-year-old high school senior boyfriend one day in November of 1972 so that I would be conceived and be on this platform for this moment. I just knew. I, I can't explain it to you. I just knew it. And I think that I acted on that, and I think that was reflective of what you saw on this show. And then you saw God, I think, bless that, because I, I think that was from him, and I followed it, and I did it to the best of my ability. And I'm absolutely certain that's true, because while I pray for this show generally and for Steve and Aaron all the time, the most specific prayer I've ever made about this show is about Steve is what's talking about, because I knew if he went a different route on something that you know my previous beliefs on this, I knew I probably didn't have a job because it just wouldn't work. I prayed, and honestly, when he called me up and told me what he just told you now, I looked to the heavens and said, you are a merciful God. One morning I woke up and I had the entire outline to Nefarious Carol. The title of the chapters, the title of the... Had I ever discussed a sequel to a nefarious plot one time, even off the air? No. Up until that point? No. No, it wasn't even on my radar. And one morning out of nowhere, I got up and just the entire novella was all laid out in my head, the entire outline, everything. One day, um, one day I got laid off from a job and when I was still doing sports talk radio and a Christian radio company was taking it over and we had just started going to church and I was kind of flirting with the idea of becoming a Christian, but I really wasn't committed yet. And after the entire staff was told, that you're out of jobs, they asked me to stick around. And um, after everybody left, the senior management, Michael Gartner, the former head of NBC News, he was the head of the Iowa Cubs at the time, and they, they owned the radio station. And Michael pulls me aside and he says, hey, the Christian radio company specifically asked, they want you, They're, you're the only person that they want to keep. And they want to know if you're interested in starting like a, uh, like a local talk show with a Christian focus, and they would kind of build the station around you. You know, <clears throat> and I was, I was flattered, but I, I also really, I, I knew I really wasn't a Christian. I was, I, I knew enough of the lingo, but I, I knew I was not ready for this, but I kind of felt like I had to take the job, you know, and I mean, I couldn't say no to God, right? This must be clearly from God. I remember praying, coming, driving home, praying, you know, I didn't do that a lot back then. God, is this something you want me to do? Is this kind of your calling, you know? <clears throat> and I'm really uncertain what to do. I mentioned it to my wife and I'm like, yeah, you know, I talked to a pastor buddy of mine at the time and he, and his, and I thought for sure he was going to tell me to take this job. He's like, Oh, you don't want to do that. I do that. I said, what? He goes, dude, the first time you say sucks on the air, every blue hair listening to that radio station is going to call the general manager and you're going to get canned. You don't want any part of that run. And so now I'm like personally offended, you know, like, well, you don't think I'm moral and holy enough to do that. I was not was right okay <clears throat> but I wasn't thinking that then so I got to give him an answer the next day I get up the next day first thing in the morning I get a phone call from a guy named Van Harden it says hey we don't know each other at all but I'm following your career here in town pretty closely I think it's time to bring you over here I think you're ready I said what do you mean bring me over here he goes where have you where have you do the sports talk radio station for a while because that station needs help and You've got the most popular sports talk show in town, but that's not what we're bringing you over here. We're going to groom you to take over afternoon drive here on the 50,000 watt blowtorch as soon as you're ready. 
And it felt like that was the job I was supposed to take. But I, but then I thought that was just, well, that's my ego. I want to go to the big station in town and, and not do this Christian cause. And then I realized that this is actually the, this was the cause. This was the calling that, and that was the timing. I prayed and I asked God, what should I do? And the very next day, Van Harden calls me and says, Hey, we're bringing you in. That was it. Now, why did I cite just these three examples? Notice they're totally random. They don't really fit any kind of pattern totally different circumstances in life. Okay. You know, what's like that, by the way, relationships are relationships are like that. If they're real, if they're genuine, if your if your relationship with your wife is real and genuine, she still surprises you every now and then. There's still things about her. You don't know. And you're dying to find out if your relationship with your husband is real you truly are living for the day that he's going he's gonna to actually tell you what he's thinking. <laughs> okay? The relationships are like this. They're not formulas. Not real ones, anyway. Not sincere ones. And neither will be your relationship with God. There is a plumb line. God will not violate his word. He has bound himself to his word. But aside from that, that narrow road is narrow, but that doesn't mean it's straight. Know what I'm saying? It's a narrow road, but it has twists and turns and ups and downs and hills and valleys. It's narrow, but it's not straight. God say stay on the straight road. Is that what the word says? No. It says the narrow road, right? Yes. Yeah. Narrow is not the same as straight. I hope that answers your question. That's the best that I can do. God is not a formula, Camille, and neither are you. There is no one in the universe like God. And you know what? There's no one in the universe like Camille Kalura either. He only made one of you. So there's not a perfect formula. There's things we can definitely know, things we never will. And then in between, there is what God desires the most, which is a real relationship with you. And sometimes he doesn't care which job you take, and sometimes he doesn't care what town you move to, and sometimes he does. Fair? Fair? Three non-political questions are next. All right, the holidays are coming up, man. You have put this off long enough. Don't just sit there with that lingering soreness, stiffness, achiness. Do something about that chronic pain. Chances are it's because there's too much inflammation in your joints. And see if Relief Factor is not the solution you've long been waiting for. 100% drug-free, though it was created by physicians who can prescribe drugs because they know, hey, we've created a lot of great drugs over the last century or so. But if there's a way to do things without needing them, that's even better because these there's a reason why there's what are called side effects, you know? There's like no side effect to my vitamin D is good. There's no side effect to that, okay? That's natural. Uh, the side effect comes from the drugs. And so that's where there is a risk to reward ratio, meaning that the risk of the side effect is is drowned out by the reward of the of the medication. But what if you could just do it without drugs? Now, it may not work. It's not for everyone. But here's what we have found with Relief Factor. 
about 70% of the time, someone has tried the three-week quick start for just 20 bucks. They have seen such outstanding results, they stick around and use the product long-term. Those are pretty good odds for 20 bucks. See if you don't see a difference in your pain in three weeks or less. Just go to relieffactor.com. What do you got to lose for 20 bucks? relieffactor.com that's relieffactor.com or you can call them at 800 the number four and relief 800 for relief or relieffactor.com time now for three non-political questions we all have questions who am i why am i here where am i going who am i a search and a question of identity why am i here a question of meaning and purpose where am i going question of destiny some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. And that means it's my oldest daughter, Anastasia, with the three non-political questions. Sweetie, how are we doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing very, very well. Are we ready to go? I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? Uh, let's find out. You're up. <laughs> I asked her when she came and you have good stuff. She goes, I hope so. I said, so do I. Because like I was telling somebody just the other day, like sometimes I'll plan a segment and I'll be like, wow, this is good. This is going to be lit. And then it's like 10 minutes and you're like, okay, thanks. Bye. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Bye. (laughs) And then it'll be like, and this will be all right. And then you guys are like, oh, let's talk about this for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, I don't know where this came from. Anna, Anna, this is why I gave you this segment. (laughs) Yes. Here's, here's what I can also tell you. When the time comes that you sit in this chair, it'll be the exact same thing. There are moments that I'm like, this is going to light this audience on fire. Yeah, and everyone hates it. me. And then there are moments that, that that I'm like, I don't know what we're doing today. And the audience is like, man, that's like one of the best shows you guys have done in a while. You just never know. You I know. know. So it's like, a, so I don't like to come in here confident because then I'll, like you, like I lower my expectations. So then See? if you guys are like, that was really good. I'm like, that was off the hook. That's right. I, I love to keep expectations low, and that means exceeding them is not as hard as it as you yeah. make it out to be. All right, you're up. Let's go. Okay, question number one. What is the number one thing that you hope this show accomplishes? Like when you guys turn off the lights after everything's done, like what is the number one thing that you hope this show accomplishes? That, um, that a biblical worldview was considered and contemplated by the audience in ways that it wasn't before because that's the prime directive of the show from the time we've launched it is uh, to try to do what we can just as you know in another generation before you were born just as Rush Limbaugh took this medium and used it as a way to take political conservatism and bring it back into the mainstream with the power of his gifts and his platform. And that spawned a lot of other very gifted people. A couple of them are the twin sons of our solar system here, like Glenn Beck and Mark Levin, for example. All right. And I want to, I want to do the same thing with whatever platform we have, whatever gifts God gave us uh, to do that for now a biblical worldview, to bring God, the word of God back into the mainstream conversation of America again. Talk. To help Americans, and this is a, a version of that, but to help Americans embrace their defined calling of living in this place of true citizenship. And I believe C.S. Lewis would help in defining what that means in that we need men and women with chests who are understand that living here is an active verb 
You do not get to sit here passively like a sponge and just soak it up. If you do that, you will destroy it. To preserve it, you must be active and have a beating heart that is willing to do hard things. So on a day-in and day-out basis, it, w- it would be my hope that despite ourselves and our despite our own foibles, that God would use us to prick the consciences of the consciences that need to be pricked the most. Both very good answers. That's good. You ready for number two? Mm-hmm. So number two, so kind of the opposite of that question. So what is something that you guys hear a lot from people that people get wrong about the show? Like what's the biggest misconception? Like you get a lot of that kind of thing. I would say this is not my answer. I I would say a a comical thing when we went from just being on radio and took a little bit of our audience from there and brought them over to CRTV. People got Todd and I like body swapped, confused. They thought that I was Todd (laughs) and Todd was Aaron. I remember that now. Yeah. I forgot about that. How would you answer that, Todd? Oh, I think the most common thing is, and it's clear that it's a troll and it's lazy, but is that um, we've got quite a grift game going here. Like, Steve's absolutely right. Like, there's... It, it, it's fun. We're doing fine. It, n- nobody's rich here. Nobody, yeah, in fact, I mean, there, there was a someone put out a tweet this week invoking you, actually, Anna, and uh, uh, saying that uh, you were part of a, a grift game where I was concerned oh. with, with working here. Except it, the video I mean, that this person put out, I make it very clear because you were standing over there when I said this. You heard me say oh, this. Oh, when Bob was on? Yeah, yeah. And I, I made the point that I had so much respect for the way this ministry tries to conduct its affairs from an integrity standpoint. At, given your youth, I needed to make sure that, you know, before I, I told Bob to go ahead and see if you were interested, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to, before I recommended my own kid, I wanted to make sure that you were ready to, you know, uh, to, to live up to the expectation level because you're going to be like the youngest one here. So live up to the expectation level that the, the you know, these older adults that have been walking that near road longer than you have that, you know, that, that, that example that they have set. And someone actually took that video and used it as an example to basically say, well, you know, you're just uh, covering for these people because your daughter works there. When it, when the video they accompanied with it said the exact opposite, which is I needed to make sure my daughter, my own daughter was worthy of working here. Okay. So in, in, in this line of work, you're going to get projection a lot. Yeah. I have, you know, I'll follow up with what Todd said too. Um, people that it's then uh, I need to interpret what you said, or there's something you're holding back from us. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know you're laughing. Okay. Because you're like, no, no, I listen to this show all the time. I hear him at home. This is pretty much what he thinks guys. Yeah. Okay? Well, I went through this phase too. When I was a teen, I'd be like, what do you mean? And you'd be like, what I said. Yes. That's, <laughs> so that's what I like... mean. And now are there things that are there certain details I will not share with you because they're not mine to share and that involve other people and confidences. Yeah. But by and large, I'm just telling you, there is not, will not, and never has, and never has not been some hidden theme or or activity of this program that the audience was not made aware of right. right out in the open. And there never will be as long as I'm the one sitting here. That's just not the way I do business. So there you go. Number three. You know, someone, I now that we're talking about this, somebody actually tweeted like at me 
and like at all of us mm-hmm. i don't know if you saw this because i'm sure you get like millions of these but somebody was like telling me that the tension between you and todd is extremely awkward on the show oh, yeah, I was telling <laughs> todd something about like that about yeah. oh, between you and todd <laughs> no, no between bet- you oh, and todd yeah, aaron t- asked me like two weeks ago he <laughs> first thing is like and i said what do you Oh, he didn't Talk? say, if you want to see tension between me and Todd, should have been here when off the air last week I asked Todd, hey, what rule did Michigan break with the sign stealing? Oh, now, there was, that's when there was some tension between me and Todd. Okay, hey, but on the air, there was almost never right? any tension. You, you want some tension between you and me right now? Yes. The answer to that question that you just asked is the same answer Michigan fans give when you ask them why they needed to steal signs in the first place. There's, there's some tension there. Yes, I would have been. <laughs> You're going to get tweeted at now. <laughs> yes. All right, go ahead. Number three. And then my third question Thank for you guys is if you were to have a reality show, what would the name of that reality show be? And don't just be like the Dace Family Show. Like no, it's got to be creative. No, I'm going to go with, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, you know that Twitter account, Woke Preacher Clips? Okay. Um, uh, khaki Pastor. Just doing a reality show involving uh, pleated khaki, uh, sweater-vested uh, American suburban uh, megachurch, pa- following around what their big concerns are during the week. Okay, well, which which Bible verses are we would make sure we don't address because you know we've got a we got a big mortgage payment this month. It, it would be that. It would absolutely be. It would. It would. I would dance, moms, because that's your favorite. Okay? I do love dance, moms, okay? so I much. Know. Yeah, I know. I mean, every time you and Zoe come over, that's the first <laughs> thing you guys do is turn that on. Okay, I would. I would dance, mom. Uh, I would do the dance, moms version of the sweater vested, pleated khaki pastor brigade, and just let it all out. Let every, let everybody see how completely milk toasted the the, the milk toasted rot gut of what inhabits way too many of our churches in America. So they would know why much of your culture is milk toasted, rot gutted. That's the reality show. I'd watch that. Would you watch that? I would. I'm not saying it would be a fun reality. I mean, I would enjoy it greatly. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I, I, but I don't, I I would imagine this would be a little bit more uncomfortable than dance moms. Okay. (laughs) Just a little bit. Yeah, A little bit. Stakes are a little higher. Yeah. (laughs) We were just talking about this offline and it comes up all the time. You asking it. I mean, it, it just seems like it's providential now. It'd be soap operas for men. Sports pro land. It would be f- just... Oh, like the level of obsession in some of these places? Oh, okay. yeah. I'd, I'd, on every on every level um, from, you know, with the, you would have... Uh, I mean, the characters just write, write themselves from, from uh, podcast to talk radio to fandom to the teams themselves, the cult of... Per- I mean, Aaron hit on it. I mean, the, 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 the degree to which people are to defend absolute debaseness and debauchery just because go team! It's... It's right there, right for the picking. I actually, I, I, exp- I should get calls after saying that because this is a money maker. Let's talk to me, people. Do you really want to know my answer? Do it. Is it like your own Bob Ross version version of making in tables? Is it smoked? Is it smoked? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's, That's it. a great answer. That's a great name. Mine, is it smoked? Mine yes. is naked and smoking. <laughs> I'm smoking exotic meats while not wearing any clothes in remote locations. Nobody will watch because for obvious reasons. Instead of naked and afraid? Yeah. Naked and smoking? Yeah. I wish Autumn and I hadn't been around to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So does most of America. <laughs> I regret asking now this that, third that, question. That, 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 that is a visual that will be difficult <laughs> to dislodge. Yes. It's a good idea, though. 
Why did the whole uh, goal of the show is me just surviving on smoked meats in wild and exotic locations? Well, you could have had clothes on in this. I mean, it, yeah, this is, yeah, it's a play. This, this isn't a Lindsey Graham bit smoking. here. Yeah, exactly. No, the, I'm How about remote, we call it far, remote far smoking? Away. Yeah. How about we keep your clothes on okay. and we do remote smoking? No matter what you do after okay. that. Yes. Yeah. Let's start there. Okay. And then we'll do remote smoking. And you have to like come up with your own food and cook your own food to survive. But you're going to do it, though, while being covered. Thoughts? Yeah. Just going to run that by you. No. no? It's a play on the It's a play on the I'm show. Naked and Afraid. Yeah. I know. I know the show. It's I'm a, familiar with it. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I, it, the premise of that show is disturbing. But yeah, that's an interesting show to like pop on when you're flipping through channels. Yes, on I, I, I remember the first time I saw it, I thought there was something wrong with my TV. I didn't realize that they were like naked because it the, was blurred. If they, all the blurs, I'm like, I just freaking bought this TV, man. And then I realized <laughs> that they're doing that on purpose. Yes. All right. All right. Thank you, Princess. Appreciate you're it. You're welcome. All right. Gentlemen, we have about uh, two, three minutes to go. Final thoughts on uh, the conversation we just had uh, throughout the course of the afternoon, evening or morning, whenever you're listening to this. Aaron, I'll start with you. Well, I, I really thought theology, theology, let me go from naked and smoking to theology Thursday real quick. Um, really, really good conversation. And it's an important question as you let off with, how do I know what God's will is? How do I know what I'm, uh, that I'm doing it? Maybe a simple, and maybe this is too simplistic of an answer, but I think maybe a good answer to that question, nonetheless, is do you know God more than you did six months ago, one year ago, mm -hmm. one and a half year, years ago? Mm -hmm. Obviously, not doing things that are specifically and explicitly outside of God's will, sinning and consciously doing so. But do you know him better than you did six months ago? And I would add on to that, is my sanctification, am I putting off things of the flesh at a greater rate than I did 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Those are two pretty good indications. If you're taking an honest self-reflection and self-assessment, I think those are two pretty good indicators. Am I living out God's will for my life? Good stuff. If you're a sinner, you're going to have forks in the road that you brought upon yourself. So stop bringing those upon yourself, for starters. Uh, if you're faithful, you're also going to have forks in the road. And the Lord promised you as much. So are you doing what he and those that immediately followed him uh, did in our scripture? Are you actually giving thanks for those thorns, for those forks in the road? Because they are a sign of living according to the narrow road. That's part of the thing. I think nine out of ten times, I don't know your specific example here, but nine out of the ten times, the problem is you just resent that there's any forks at all. That's not the Christian life. Secondly, and this is really important, and I'm glad I get time to get this line in, regarding uh, Aaron's montage. S Steve, I told you you need to make a Advent calendar starting on November 1st. Right, because that's when I think Christmas begins. Yes. yes. November yeah. 20th. When this happens, and if November 29th isn't the annual Palestinian uh, resentment and hazing open of the, the Christmas little, tree lighting. Open up the little thing in the Advent calendar, uh, yeah. and like M80s pop off to simulate a terrorist attack. I don't want to know you anymore. That must be there. It's a holy day. How would... Todd, don't answer this. How would any previous generation of Americans have responded to an attempt to do something like this at a Christmas ceremony? You know how much it means to me that I'm I so I said don't answer, Todd. I'm just saying 
that I'm so predictable that you have to make sure you put that. The, that is meant to ask to be to be considered rhetorically quietly at home. Okay. But how would any other previous generation of Americans have responded to something like that? Single tear. And when you when you come to the realization of the answer, you will then answer the question of how come previous generations didn't have to respond to things like that? It's the same answer. Yes, it is. All right, we're going to stick around and talk aliens. <laughs> John 317. This is Steve Dace. <laughs> On the Blaze Radio Network.